I would like to read the scripture this morning from the book of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard these verses before. It says, If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. This chapter of 1 Corinthians is, in my opinion, some of the most beautiful language in all the ancient texts. We'll read more of it in just a moment. Sometime back, uh, I was asked to officiate at a wedding for a beautiful young couple here in town. They don't come here to church. As a matter of fact, they don't go to church anywhere. And they were determined that they did not want anything religious at their wedding. Apparently, uh, the reason they asked me to do their uh, ceremony was because for whatever reason, somebody told them that me, an ordained minister, would be the perfect person to officiate a non-religious wedding. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be flattered about that or not. Um, but then again, I'm glad. I was glad to be able to be that bridge during one of these very meaningful moments in this young couple's life. As I usually do when I'm asked to officiate a wedding, I met with a couple a few weeks before to get to know them and to learn about their relationship. And of course, we talked about and planned the wedding ceremony. While we talked about the ceremony, they reiterated more than once that they did not wish to have anything religious at their wedding. I told them I understood. Uh, and I told them that uh, though I, I would like to share some thoughtful words about love during the ceremony because love really should be their foundation. And it was obvious to me that they were very deeply in love with each other. So on their wedding day, there we stood. Their closest friends and family had driven in from all over the country. It was small and intimate, but it was a beautiful, beautiful display of togetherness and joy. There were no prayers, no songs, but they did allow me to share a few simple words of encouragement for the couple and their guests. So I said to them, over the course of time you'll find yourselves madly in love with each other one day and just plain old mad the next. But if I could encourage you to set a marker for those ebbs and flows, I'd like to remind you of what love is. It's patient and it's kind. It doesn't get jealous and it doesn't brag. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't try to take advantage of others. It's not easily irritated and it certainly doesn't keep score. Love will never, ever settle for injustice because it thrives in truth. It puts up with a lot. It trusts more than it doubts. 
It's full of hope and it hangs in there for the long haul. And finally, I said, when everything else is gone and you don't have anything else, the greatest thing you could ever have is love. They didn't know it, but I had just shared words with them from the Bible. When the ceremony was over, they thanked me for not making it religious. <laughs> and they thanked me for the beautiful words about love. I am loved. I am loved. I can risk loving you for the one loves me I am loved you are loved won't you please take my hand we are free to love each other we are Love is a risky business, isn't it? There's a lot at stake when you decide to love something, and especially when you decide to love someone. When you love something, you're willing to defend it. If you want to see me and Pam get worked up about something, you just watch us when somebody says something unkind about our church or about one of our church folks. We love this place. We love it because this place is you. It's for you and it's because of you. It's made for you. When Pam and I tell folks about our little church and how much we love it and what we're telling them is how much we love you. We don't want there to be any doubt. We want everyone to know. We want them to know and we want you to know that you are loved there's so many stories in this room. Stories of wins and losses, successes and failures, relationships and experiences with all their emotions and their ups and downs. And it's exciting to know that our story and your story is still being written. As long as we have breath and as long as we're able to dream and hope and live, we have the chance to know Love. Love like we've never known it before. And even better, we have the chance to show love and give it like never before. I realize I was fortunate as a kid. I was fortunate to grow up in a home that was full of love. As a matter of fact, my dad and his whole side of the family are very, very expressive in their love. Really tight hugs that were a very natural way for us to greet one another. And it wasn't past them at all. I don't know. My dad, my aunts, my uncles, my granny bishop, it wasn't past them at all to put a little wet kiss right there on your cheek. And when granny bishop did it, you heard it. (laughs) 
it was really, it's always very interesting when new folks would come into our family, you know, somebody who didn't know what we were like. They had no idea. They'd walk in the room and everybody jump up and just start giving them hugs and kisses on the cheek. It's a wonder they didn't leave <laughs> or run. But to us, it was just the most normal thing in the world, and they still do it. I remember my niece Whitney bringing her new boyfriend into the house one Christmas, and I remember my dad jumping up and meeting him at the door, and he hugged Whitney, and he gave her a kiss on the cheek, and then he hugged this great big old burly guy that he didn't even know his name, and he gave him a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm grateful that I grew up in that kind of love as expressive as it was, but I also know that not everyone did. Some never knew love in their homes. They woke up feeling unloved, and at the end of the day they laid down, still feeling unloved. To describe God in one word, what would it be? To a child, it might be big, old, wise, wrinkled. To someone who has only experienced rejection or judgment in the name of God, they would have every right to say God is mean revengeful, even angry. We have a church full of people who've been injured in the name of religion and in the name of God. I talk to people all the time who tell me that they so admire, they, they watch us, they watch who we are and what we do, and they tell me all the time that they so admire the work that we do here, but they just can't muster what it takes to come through these doors. And more often than not, it's because of the pain and the rejection that they've known at the hands of people who claim to be speaking for God. I was one of them. After growing up in church and even being an ordained minister for a good number of years, I'd been rejected. And I was reluctant to give the church and God another chance. For a long time, I went the other way entirely. And I knew that opening that wound could lead to deeper hurt and more rejection. But I'm so grateful that I found a place that not only said, come on in, but it said, come and be who you are. 
to those of us who've discovered the beautiful truth of God's heart, who God really is, if we were to describe God in one word, we might say that God is compassionate or maybe merciful or fulfilling. Of all the ways that God is described in the Bible, probably the most accurate, the most encouraging is tucked into 1 John chapter 4. You all said it just a second ago. When the Bible is asked for that one word that best describes God, what does it say? It says, God is love. So you might be saying to yourself, of course God is love. Of course God is love when I'm lovable, but I'm not always lovable. It's hard for us to imagine that there's someone who could love us even when we aren't very lovable. There's someone who imparts love to us even when we don't feel like returning that love. But that's exactly who God is. God is not petty about grudges or spiteful snubs. If there's anyone anywhere who can get past our human inadequacies, if there's anyone anywhere who knows us and knows about our mood swings and our passive-aggressive neediness and our jealousies and our, and our self-pity, I really do believe that God can. I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is it's simply not possible to escape God's love. <laughs> By simply being, we're loved. Wow. I know some people that I have a hard time loving. And honestly, sometimes I'll say, God, I don't know how you do it. And sometimes I'll say, God, it wouldn't bug me if you didn't love them so much. But simply by being, we're loved. We're loved when we're doing everything wrong. We're loved when our words betray us. We're loved when we can't seem to get it together. We're loved when we feel like we're out of control. We're loved when we can't stop taking pills. We're loved when we can't put down the bottle. We're loved when we're angry, when we're tired and when we're weary. We're loved when we feel ugly and rejected. We're loved when we're most unlovable. And even when we're neck deep in sin, we are loved. I am loved. I can risk loving you for the one who knows me best, loves me Like so many of you, I grew up believing in a God who loved me only when I was doing good. Like many of you, most days, at least some days, I wasn't good. I knew God loved me when I prayed as I should, but often I didn't pray like I should. I knew God loved me when I read the Bible as I should, 
but I've never really read the Bible like I should. I knew that God loved me when I talked like a Christian, but sometimes I said things a good Christian shouldn't say. I knew God loved me when my thoughts were pure. Believe me, you don't want to know where my mind goes sometimes. I knew God loved me when I walked in holy places. But there were so many times that I found myself in places not so holy. According to what I knew about God and according to who I knew God was, I was sure that I was most unlovable. And I'll bet that some of you did too. Some of you still do feel unlovable. But thank God our own estimation of ourselves is not God's estimation of us. Sometimes churches like ours are accused of being too soft and too lenient on sin. The church that I grew up in, the church, the dom- denomination where I was ordained, sometimes it seemed, we seemed like we were consumed preaching about churches like ours. Churches that don't center itself, that doesn't center itself on guilt and shame, but instead works like the dickens to bring us to a place of discovering God's indescribable love. We're not obsessed with who you are or who you shouldn't be. We're not here to shame you or to demean you or constantly remind you of how unworthy you are. We're here to build you up and to remind you of your magnificent worth. We're here to love you. And like I've already said, when you love something, you invest yourself in it. You pledge yourself to it. You tend to it. You nourish it. You help it grow. You defend it. Our mission here at BUCC is just that. Because we know that that's what God really wants for you. That God is loving you. And if you want to know what God's love looks like, then let's finish our scripture reading. Continuing from where we left off, we find out that sure enough, love is patient and kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant or rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable and it doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. And I think the best part is this. Love never fails. When everything else has come to an end, faith, hope, and love will remain. But the greatest of these is love. I am love. I am love. I can risk loving you. Will you sing with me? For the one loves me best, loves me. We are free to love.
said, Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.